The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Business Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, well, this should make everybody happy. Cash on the line. I know it's a loaded statement. Let me get started. As we move from post-recession recovery to a period of growth, the importance of cash flow and working capital management is crystal clear, perhaps more than in many, many, many years. And the rise of business networks that are connecting, you know what they're doing. They're connecting people. They're connecting processes. They're connecting information is now yielding previously unknown insights and opportunities for companies like those of you in our listening audience, you're either running them, you're owning them, or you're working in them. So we're talking about the digital economy today. Is your organization using the digital economy's tools and methods to control your cash flow and grow beneficially to benefit all stakeholders? A lot of stuff in this opening, and I have a panel who are going to help us address this in a very savvy way. First up on the panel, I'm pleased to welcome Dan Giuliano. He's Senior VP of Business Development and Product for Prime Revenue. And Dan has sent me a quote from Tom Goodwin. Those of you not familiar with Tom, well, just Google him or look for him on Twitter at, let's see, what is he? His handle is Tom F. Goodwin, G-O-O-D-W-I-N. Here's a very profound quote. Uber, the world's largest taxi company, owns no vehicles. Facebook, the world's most popular media owner, creates no content. Alibaba, it's a long one. Alibaba, the law, the most valuable retailer, has no inventory. And Airbnb, the world's largest accommodation provider, owns no real estate. Something interesting is happening. Fantastic quote. Dan Giuliano, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing very well, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Thank you, and thanks for introducing me to Tom Goodwin, who happens to be the Senior VP of Strategy Innovation at Havis, H-A-V-A-S Media in New York. Very interesting guy, and previously he founded the Tomorrow Group in London, so everybody go look him up. Dan Giuliano, how did you come to pick the quote from Tom Goodwin? I love it. Well, I think that uh, as you talk about the digital economy and, and what is happening, I think that we are that is also driving uh, diff, uh, you know innovation now companies are managing their cash, and I think we're in very interesting times in how we're going to uh, get money, deal with our working capital and cash flow needs, and it's going to be a, it, we're in changing times right now. So talk to me about the sharing economy. Cash flow seems to be a little bit of a new concept when you're talking about Uber doesn't own the cars, Airbnb doesn't own the, the, the real estate, the inventory, Alibaba has no inventory. Uh, these are new models for getting cash flow, aren't they, Dan? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, – you know, I, if someone would have told me, you know, five years ago they were starting a company to go after the taxi cab company, the taxi cab space, I thought they were crazy. But, 
you know, look what it's done. It's been a very disruptive technology and, and done, you know, it's really made the getting from point A to point B way more efficient. I think that's what the digital economy is doing for how we manage our cash flow and what we, how we'll get uh, access to capital and cash is through these different uh, uh, capabilities and, and, uh, and solutions. And what we're doing out there is, is providing solutions that can make getting access to cash much simpler and easier for all, for all companies, no matter how big or small they are. Dan, it sounds to me like the word trust needs to come into that equation. Why would you trust somebody to send a cab for you if they don't have any cabbies? Why would you trust somebody to get you a room to stay in in a fabulous resort town if they don't have any real estate? Is that something that, that's part of the underscore of what the digital, especially the sharing economy means in your point of view? Well, I certainly think that uh, trust is part of it. Certainly you need to trust the solutions in which you're going to be deploying and, and using mm-hmm. to access capital and, and other services. Um, but I think the efficiency and how easy it is to do things, the, the simplicity of it, I think, is going to make the, the, the users try it. And once they try it and feel comfortable with it, then you're going to see that re- repetitive usage. And I think that's part of that trust. And when you do have a very effective, simple solution, you're going to have people use it and try it. And when they see if it's successful and how easy it is and how good it is, you're going to see people keep coming back for it. That's what I was looking for. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you on the show. Let's introduce our second guest. He's John Everts, E-V-A-R-T-S, the COO and CFO of Mediafly, M-E-D-I-A-F-L-Y. If you want to look that up, and John has sent me an interesting quote from Margaret Cho. Those of you who don't know much about her, she's an American comedian, a fashion designer, an actress, author, singer, songwriter. Well, she probably doesn't sleep at night. She's so busy reinventing herself. She's 46 years old. And her full name is Margaret Moran Cho, C-H-O. And here's the quote. The power of visibility can never be underestimated. And she should know. John Everts, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Delighted. Talk to me. Margaret Cho has never been on our radio show. Neither have you. So welcome to you and Margaret. How did you come to find this quote? Sure. So uh, one of the things that's absolutely critical for at least, uh, again, so we're a a rapidly growing company. And one of the things that's absolutely critical is to understand how, how are you going to be growing? What is the way, what is the path forward? Um, And any given time you can make changes. Unless you have visibility, um, that's one of those areas where you're like, I, I, unless I have visibility, I, any anywhere to get you there, and uh, if when you don't know where you're going, and so mm-hmm. this is one of those where I I wanted to to have a uh, a quote that was from a disruptor, right? So she uh, she is not your typical comedian. Uh, Asian-born uh, female community, uh, comedian with a very, very strong and powerful message, um, and I, I wanted that to be there um, because you know I, I, I associate MediaFly with disruption um, and, uh, and and rapidly scaling. So, so visibility is absolutely crucial. Uh, I wanted a visibility quote, and I wanted it to be done by a disruptor. So that's how I got there. Well, wow, that was one of the best quote explanations I've ever had. Very interesting (laughs) that, John, your quote talks right back to what I was discussing with Dan Giuliano, the power of visibility and what I was asking him about trust in the sharing economy and the digital economy, visibility. If Uber didn't have that visibility through their app, through their ads, through all their radio spots, nobody would know 
Nobody would know. Alibaba, if they didn't have all the, the places they show up on the Internet and on TV shows, nobody would know. So you're absolutely right. And perhaps because these companies don't have a brick-and-mortar presence and they're not in the mall and they don't have a fleet of cars and a, a book of what their properties look like, visibility in whatever way they need to get it out to the public is critical. So that ties, I think that ties very nicely to Dan's opening. What do you think, John? Good? Uh, absolutely. And I, I think Dan, Dan did a really good job of, t- of talking about the changing times, right? Um, you you used, to, used to, for instance, be able to read a book and now you download a book. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's absolutely critical that you understand what that transaction is. Who is the buyer? Who is the supplier? And how is that transaction actually occurring? And when you don't have literally cash changing hands, and in fact, it's just a click here and a click there, and all of a sudden, boom, you've transacted business, you need to have a trusted partner on the other end of that, right? And that speaks to credibility. That speaks to the quality of the technology and the quality of the platform. And if that's not there, then Alibaba is not going to be as as big as it is. And Airbnb can't do what they're doing. Thank you. Good tie-in together. We, we don't often get quotes that tie in quite so nicely, but these did. And, and we have another quote coming down the, down the pike here from Alan Cohen, our third panelist. He leads the payables and working capital business development and strategy within SAP Ariba. Great title for why he's here on the show. And this quote comes from a small business owner Alan met while traveling, I think, on an airplane. And here's the quote. Listen up. Money was the currency of the 20th century. Time is the currency of the 21st century. Alan Cohn, welcome. How are you today? Doing terrific. Thanks for having me on the show. Delighted. Talk to me. Who was this person who said this profound thing? And did you write it down and say, wait a minute, say it again. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to type it in and email it to myself so I can use it on a radio show next week. How did this come to pass? So as we were exiting the plane, we were talking and uh, it was taking a few minutes to get off the plane. And he shared this quote. And um, I asked, gosh, that's terrific. Can I quote you on it? And he says, yes. And he didn't have a card, unfortunately. Um, but um, it's, a, it's a very um, very insightful quote, because if you think about it, um, things have changed over time where for a lot of people, you know, getting that access to money was always a, a big, big hurdle, and it was hard to do. But I think what business owners are starting to realize, companies as well, you know, time is the more valuable currency because it's it's finite there are a lot of different ways to get money or capital in today's markets but uh you know both in life and in money their time's got incredible value so you know when it comes to today's topic and you think about timing money i think it's really important to think about how um how from his perspective he wanted to spend his time thinking about things how it could move the needle but i think he was also beginning to think about different perspectives in terms of trying to get money from his customers sooner when to pay suppliers and really finding that optimal timing of how to really maximize um, the the time value elements of money and cash flow thank you alan i bet he was also trying to figure out how fast he could get off of that jetway and get back to the office if he was traveling you said it was taking a while to get off the plane and it was, right. it was one of those travel nightmare days we had like if it could go wrong it did go wrong and uh we had uh um very late at night waiting for the gate agent to uh to get there but eventually we got off the plane and all is good and you're here on the show and he's quite do you want to do a shout out to this gentleman or or just by first name uh, uh, his first name, I believe, is John. So uh, unfortunately, I don't well, have his last name. 
John, whoever you are, you've, you have been quoted on yeah. Business Innovation with Game Changers Radio. And wherever you are, I hope this message is reaching you. Thank you very much, Alan. I'm going to circle back to Dan Giuliano, and I have a very important question for you. What are you drinking right now, or what kind of beverage are you thinking about? Or just tell me a great story, because... Business Innovation Radio is part of our flagship series called Coffee Break with Game Changers, and we just want to know a little bit more about you, Dan. So, what? Talk to me. Okay. Well, I'm actually drinking uh, Arnold Palmer. I don't know if you're familiar with what Arnold Palmer is, but it's uh, oh. it's a half iced tea, half lemonade drink, um, and it's interesting because Arnold Palmer is uh, is lo- local legend in Pittsburgh, where I'm from. So uh, it's interesting now I can go really anywhere in the United States and order an Arnold Palmer and kind of have a little taste of home. So for me, that's what I'm drinking right now to uh, talk to you today. And do you consider that a, what do you consider that, a, a, a non-alcoholic drink? What do you consider that? Is it just a refreshing <laughs> drink? Yeah, it's a very refreshing about drink. It. It's, it's a mixture, you know, it's a nice, it's a sweet, it's a sweeter drink, but it's nice, you, I guess you could add alcohol to it, but today I, it's alcohol Well, free. you can. I'm going to tell you something. If you add alcohol to Arnold Palmer, it becomes a John Daly. <laughs> did you That's know that? Good. I never heard that. No, I did not hear that. That's very good. I like that. I'll read it to you quickly. John Daly is an alcoholic mixed drink, mixed drink consisting of lemonade, iced tea, and vodka. It can be made with lemonade and sweet tea vodka, which is a vodka infusion. Uh, these drinks are based on the non-alcoholic Al Arnold Palmer. Both drinks are named after professional golfers. John Daly's name is tongue-in-cheek. Nod to Daly's problems. Oh, he apparently had a problem with alcohol. So we yes. will just walk away from that one and we will. That's why you all laughed. What do I know? Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry about it. We'll just move on from that. Thank you very much, Dan. Interesting references. You're just full of them today. John Everts, what are you drinking right now or what are you thinking about? Sure. So, um, so I, I think my family likes me because they bought me a <laughs> Nespresso machine for ah. Father's Day. Um, and so I, I, uh, I am uh, treated in the morning to an eight-year-old barista which, who asks me, Daddy, what kind of latte do you want this morning? <laughs> oh, very nice. So what, so what are you drinking? What's your favorite Nespresso drink? Uh, so there's a, I think it's called a Fortiso Lungo is what it's actually called. And it's one of those cartridges. I don't know. People may, may understand, you know, you know, Keurig, which is like single-serve uh, single coffee. Yes. Um, but with an espresso machine, you, you end up with this little, tiny little cartridge, and you can select from, I don't know, like vanilla drinks and all that sort of good stuff. I just like a strong espresso. Um, and so, um, yeah, so, so Mikey, Mikey wakes up in the morning, and the very first thing, he, he, he jumps in my room and says, hey, Daddy, and wakes, wakes Mommy up, too, and says, hey, Daddy, what kind, of, what kind of latte you want this morning? So that's been the, the kind of morning ritual for the last couple of days, which has been fun. Oh, that's so sweet. I love it. Well, congratulations on your Nespresso. I do have a Keurig, and I use it once in a while, mostly for decaf coffee when I'm in a hurry. And it's, it's lovely, too, but congratulations. I'm glad the whole family got involved in the gift. Isn't that the best? Absolutely it is. the it's best. Awesome. Alan Cohen, I don't know if I can ask you to top these two stories, but you can certainly give it a try. Yeah, that, that's going to be hard. I mean, that five-star morning service is uh, is incredible. So, um, <laughs> so uh, you know, I drink a lot of water. I think what's interesting is the story of how I got there. I had uh, been working for Coca-Cola, where obviously you can get all the Coke that you want. In my case, it was a lot of cherry Cokes. 
And right before my nine-year-old daughter was born, I decided to try things without caffeine. I figured she'd give enough adrenaline to uh, get me going throughout the day. So I actually quit drinking sodas cold turkey one day. So now drinking a ton of bottled water. Uh, certainly, don't get me wrong, I, I certainly enjoy a good cocktail or beer, but the uh, majority of the time, it's, uh, it's definitely a lot of water and uh, every now and then some, some lemonade or root beer. I see. Well, maybe we can introduce you to an Arnold Palmer somewhere. <laughs> 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 and, and John and Daly, at your own risk. What? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, as Well, all three of you are new to SAP Game Changers Radio, but as my regular listeners know, they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days, just water. But because we're talking about economy, we're talking about cash, I have a green straw in the water. So just so you know, I'm definitely in the spirit, but I might have a little caffeine after the show. We're talking That's today well in case <laughs> – we're talking today about – Payments, payables, and cash flow in the digital economy. My guests, you already have met them. They're smart, they're savvy, and they're very interesting and have a great sense of humor. Dan Giuliano from Prime Revenue. And when we come back in the roundtable, I'll ask Dan to just tell us in a couple of sentences what Prime Revenue does. And John Everts from Mediafly, I'll ask you the same thing. And Alan Cohen at SAP Ariba. And you can have a couple of sentences to tell us what Ariba's up to these days as well. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a break. Nine seconds. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, because when we come back, Dan Giuliano and I are going to kick off the roundtable with some really interesting discussion points. Will you get paid? How do you know you'll get paid? Kind of key for everybody in our audience. So I'll just say to our engineer, Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Business has never been more complex than in today's networked economy. To thrive, companies must adapt and innovate. They must harness the wealth of information now available to enable smarter decision-making. They must enable effective collaboration among employees and with their customers and suppliers. They must optimally deploy enterprise resources, and they must make this simple. Join our experts as they discuss how your business leaders can drive innovation that positions your company for continued success. Business Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to Business Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Business Innovation with Game Changers. Our topic today is payments, payables, and cash flow in the digital economy with our great panel made up of Dan Giuliano at Prime Revenue, John Everts at Mediafly, and Alan Cohn at SAP Ariba. Dan Giuliano, before I kick off the roundtable with you and get into one of your great speaking topics here, I'd just like you to tell us in two sentences, what does Prime Revenue do? Well, we're a uh, technology and services company um, helping global corporates and their supply chains with their working capital needs. 
Okay. There's my two sentences. Thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> that. I, that's what I was looking for. Dan, let's talk about, I'm looking at your notes, and here's where I'd like to start the roundtable. You say, you can now know with 100% certainty when you will get paid. And then you say, imagine what your company could do with that information and how you would manage your company differently. In the past, access to capital was limited to large corporations. Now, any company can get working capital. Let's talk about that concept. Go ahead, Dan. Well, yeah, I think, you know, I th- it's very interesting if you're a company today, and this goes a little bit to Alan's quote, too, about time, right? If you knew now you, if what you're going to get paid from your customers and what, the exact time you're going to get paid, the amount you're going to pay with certainty, you know, how would you manage your business differently? What would you do differently? What would you do with some of that time? Think how much time you spend trying to collect and, and understand your cash positions with your customers and, and then managing those those issues. Today, with the digital economy, there are solutions out there that uh, companies could know with exact certainty what they're going to get paid and when they're going to get paid, and they become so much more efficient um, as organizations understanding those cash positions and knowing then what where their challenges are um, and how to take corrective action with to them. And then based on that information, you you talked about access to capital. Um, if you knew what your cash positions were and you knew that there was a problem that you needed working capital or you needed cash, you, that, there's now so many op, uh, options for those companies to be able to get access to cash. And, um, and we talked about the disruptive technologies and disruptive solutions, and now it's just not going to your bank anymore and, and, and borrowing money and taking you know, three months to get approved or do those type of things. Now within hours you could get paid literally the next day uh, at very low cost, cost of financing for those for those companies. So, you know, imagine the scenario where you not only knew what your cash position was and you could effectively manage your business, but also being able to then, if you needed cash, quickly and easily get cash in, in the account you need to immediately. So it's it's just a it's a very new world for companies that are managing cash flow. Thank you. I want to bring in one more point before I get John Everts and Alan Cohn in the conversation. I'm looking further down in your notes, Dan, and you say companies no longer need a bank for funding. Can we just blend this point in with the first one? Yeah, I mean, when you look at when companies look for capital today, in the past, you, again, you, you go to your bank and, or, or a group of banks and try to get capital. And now there are a number of, you know, it used to be, you know, you looked at funding solutions, you were looking at different banks and what banks offer different capabilities. Now it's it's really a multi-funder solution. There are a lot of options for companies that are out there beyond the bank world to get capital. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies that like the, like the Ondex and the funding circles of the world. There's hedge funds. There's a number of, a number of non-bank capital providers, insurance companies that now provide capital for companies, um, based on different asset classes. And so companies don't have to worry about just one source of liquidity today. There are now, just like we talked about Uber, they're now more efficient, less regulated uh, companies out there that offer capital to, com- to, you know, to companies to manage their cash flow. And uh, it's just uh, companies need to evaluate and look into those different alternative solutions because there's a lot of them out there, and uh, it really provides more efficient, accretive liquidity sources for those companies. Thank you. John Everett, talk to us. Thoughts about what we just heard? Yeah, no. So, so Mediafly is actually one of those companies, right? Um, so, so uh, we're a rapidly growing company. Um, uh, we we leverage uh, kind of different types of cash flow solutions uh, that allow us to uh, essentially fund our own growth, right? Lots of times, uh, small companies dealing with very large companies. Uh, lots of times, you know, people uh, people challenge you um, by essentially expanding payment terms. 
And rather than ex- expanding payment terms, uh, things like uh, new concepts like supply chain fi- finance um, and dynamic discount management, these allow uh, folks like me, chief financial officer of a rapidly growing software company, to fund the net 60, net 90 terms that lots of times are, are involved when a small organization uh, contracts with a much larger organization. And so access to liquidity where you don't have to go back to a bank um, and you don't have to offer equity, which I say, would actually say is, a, is, a, is another typical source of capital for, uh, for companies is access either the public markets uh, or access private funders um, in order to bring investment in. Um, so again, another source of capital by having a partnership, and again, we talked about relationships and we talk about partnerships, um, where you have visibility into when you're going to get paid. As a company like Mediafly that's highly, uh, highly growth sensitive and has to finance our own growth, to have another alternative is a huge opportunity for us. Thank you very much. Alan Cohn, talk to us. Thoughts? Yeah, I think that transparency is so important. You know, the, the, the payment itself, obviously, John just did a great job summarizing why that's so important. But the information, when are you going to get paid? When is that money going to show up? That becomes so crucial to make business decisions. Do you have to borrow? Do you not have to borrow? Um, who might you borrow from? How would you do it? So I think being able to provide options, a, a menu of options that a corporate could provide to suppliers, suppliers having options as to whether it's supply chain financing, discounting, card, or just waiting for that net, ter- that net payment term provides them with a lot more control, a lot more choice. But again, I think it all goes back to the efficiency of the transactions and the visibility to ultimately help those uh, companies make the best cash flow decisions. Thank you. Dan Giuliano, I'm going to circle back to you. Any comments on what your co-panelists just shared, John and Alan? Well, I'd say that, yeah, John's comment about partnership, I think that's an important attribute to what's going on here because when buyers and suppliers collaborate and they can collaborate on these these new emerging technologies, this makes the whole thing more efficient. And, and this allows for this ability to get on-demand quick access to capital because they're collaborating together and now those tools out there allow that partnership to occur and have that collaboration and efficiency of information. That's, that's how it all drives together. So that partnership is critical in, making, in driving the efficiencies here. Thank you. John Everts, I'm looking at your notes. First of all, I'd like to welcome you again and ask you to tell us in two sentences, <laughs> matching dance efficiency and, and conciseness, what does Mediafly do? And, oh, I don't know that that's possible, but I will try. <laughs> <laughs> you so, just use uh, your two me- sentences. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so Mediafly is a technology software company that complex organizations use to drive revenue through increased engagement with sales content on any device. So that's what Mediafly does. Thank you very much. Now, I'm looking at the notes you sent me, some interesting points. You talk about the power of visibility, the power of choice, the power of relationships, the power of customer engagements, the power of the Fed. I'd like to talk about the power of choice. I think uh, tagging on to what we just spoke about with Dan, this might be a good place to go. So let me just read a couple of comments from your notes, and then I'll have you run with it. You say, especially in small business, and by the way, our audience is global. We don't know exactly what kind of companies they're with, but we believe they span from what I call the gleam in the eye, ready to get started, entrepreneur pre-opening door, pre-opening date, all the way up to what I call the big behemoth enterprise organization. So we are. I'm glad you're addressing small business because we never want them to feel we aren't talking with them and to them, John. So thank you. And you say, especially in small business, limited choice leads to limited thinking and limited outcomes. And you add... 
by actively seeking out alternative ways to solve problems, well, companies like yours are able to be more agile. And here's the key, and outmaneuver very large competitors. So how are some of those creative, out-of-the-box, creative uh, thinking solutions available to companies that typically would imagine or would believe they have a cash restraint when they're fast-growing? John? Yeah, so... Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, and I think that sets, sets the discussion up very well. You know, one of the things that we can do by being a very small, uh, small company is we can disrupt stuff. And one of the things that we do is provide unique solutions, innovative solutions. And when we contract with some of the largest companies in the world, they empower us in, and ask us to do things that have never been done before. Uh, whether it's on mobile or wherever it is. And a lot of the technologies that we created actually were as a result of having the visibility and predictability and choice to be able to access cash earlier than we would have had otherwise. And so we used that cash in order to fund a development cycle faster than we would have otherwise. We innovated on a product faster than we would have otherwise. And then we delivered ahead of schedule and then resold that encryption solution over mobile to a bank, which allowed us in 2011 to start our scaling and start one of our, honestly, our our largest and fastest selling uh, product called SalesKit. So because of that, we were able to scale, we were able to innovate much more quickly, and as a result, we are now competing, as you say, uh, with much larger competitors very effectively. Very good good case study, and I'm glad you have that available for us. Alan Cohen, thoughts on thinking outside of the box, creativity, getting outside of the, the scope of typical cash constraints. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I like what John had to say about disruption, scale, and innovation. I mean, you think about mm-hmm. it. The, the world is changing before us. You know, who would have thought a dozen years ago that you wouldn't be shopping in a, a retailer? And now a lot of that's online or, you know, travel agencies have um, gone the way to uh, a lot of online booking. Same with real estate. So that whole disruption, you know, you see it in terms of having access to cash. It's not just banks anymore. It could be private equity. It could be insurance. It could be peer-to-peer lending going online. I, I think there's a lot of different things that can be done um, to help a business grow and the need to access cash. The supply of cash is, is readily available um, at global rates. Things are, are very attractive. We don't want that to get in the way of businesses operating. So let's make it as easy as possible and transparent as possible for companies, small and large, to run their business, scale, innovate, and achieve their goals. Thank you very much. Dan Giuliano, join us. Thoughts? Well, I think, and Alan hit on it too. I mean, my angle from that would be, you know, again, access to cash and again, figuring out that there are a lot of alternatives for suppliers and companies today, like John's company, to compete against large corporates. I mean, in the old days, it used to be that the large corporates were very effective in working with their banks to really, uh, you know, really squash the, the smaller company because they had access to capital and can and, and do things much more, um, you know, from with cash position much more effectively than a smaller company. But now a smaller company who can innovate didn't have the capital. Now they can innovate and be disruptive and have capital and have access to capital um, to, to be more disruptive and compete against larger corporations. So I, say, I think that uh, companies need to make sure they understand what's out there, what's available, what solutions are available to them. Um, and with that education, they could be much more uh, effective in their ability to compete against large, the larger companies or companies that may be more capital uh, rich than they are. 
Thank you. And I want to go back to John Everett since you opened this topic. Any thoughts on what Alan and Dan just shared with us? Yeah, and I, I think I think um, you know creativity is absolutely critical, right? I mean, um, when you're when you're a smaller organization, um, you need to be as creative as you possibly can be and hustle. <laughs> and lots of times, when you're facing um, uh, any number of challenges, whether it's cash or whether it's um, uh, trying to win a customer or whether it's contracting or, or whether it's trying to get through procurement or, or any number of solutions. Now there's technology solutions that can help you, right? There is software. There is platform. The cloud is a really great equalizer that allows transactions to happen with much larger companies than, than what maybe, maybe Mediafly would have had access to before. And perhaps I could get access to cash that I might not have had otherwise. So, again, this new set of technology, especially in the capital management area um, and business networks, this really creates a really nice um, opportunity where you know, small players may not have been at the table before. Thank you. I'm going to move on to some statements from Alan Cohn. Alan, I'm looking at your notes, and I don't think we've talked about payables. We've been talking about access to cash, getting creative, disrupting, scaling, outmaneuvering the big guys, the big gals. Uh, Let's talk about, I'm looking at your notes, Alan. You say a holistic view of payables is needed. Too often businesses look at their payables processes in three silos, and that's silo number one, invoice processing, silo number two, separate timing of the payments, and silo number three, the actual payment. How does a holistic view help in terms of what we're discussing today, Alan? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, having somebody who's responsible for the holistic view um, will make a big difference. Each one of those standing on its own, it's only going to be so valuable. And industry research says that when you come together by combining an invoice, a working capital, and a payment initiative, it's going to be roughly 12 to 14 times more valuable than doing each one of those standalone. And just to put it in perspective, working with a lot of clients, oftentimes they may start down an invoice automation path or a, um, a working capital or a payment automation initiative. But what, what people need to realize is at the end of the day, you're having that discussion with uh, the supplier and their accounts receivable or credit organization. So let's, let's get one initiative together and really maximize the value because to John and Dan's point, it's very much a partnership where transparency of information comes together. And by providing that transparency to when somebody's going to get paid, it's going to provide the most value to not only a corporate, but also the supplier just as much. Thank you. Dan Giuliano, thoughts on this? Well, I think that, you know, to to Alan's point is that, you know, it goes back to partnership again and making sure that if they have a holistic view of payables and things of that nature, what they're, gonna, what they're really going to be looking at, too, is how they not only become more efficient at their own organization, but how they become more efficient with their, their suppliers. You know, most corporations, their supply chain is probably their second biggest asset they have, and mm-hmm. how to provide them, the, their suppliers the solutions and efficiencies and access to capital and those type of things to help them become more cost-effective, stable, and all those things just make the, the corporate supply chain more stable and their products and services more stable and more effective, efficient. And if you don't have that holistic view where the whole, it, see, a lot of times it's just an internal looking view, but you got to look at it from an external looking view as well beyond just your four walls and how important your supply chain is and, and what you could do to help your supply chain. Um, and there's a lot of, again, solutions out there today that can really help the suppliers be more efficient and provide better goods and services to you as a company. Thank you. John, thoughts? 
Yeah, so as a supplier, uh, I, I think that's uh, – and, and, and as someone uh, who is transacting this way, um, I, I have to tell you, absolutely, right? Um, so when a company identifies that, you know, e-invoicing is the way I want to go, um, I want to test out this dynamic discounting uh, for a few strategic uh, suppliers, it's game-changing for us. Right, and when you can stabilize your supply chain, not only are you benefiting financially, we're benefiting financially, um, but ultimately you're allowing us, the small supplier, to be able to innovate much more quickly, as as we said before. Um, so that partnership is so critical, and and I love the concept of of stabilizing the supply chain uh, through a, a global view of payables. Thank you, Alan. Any thoughts before I move on to another topic? This was uh, a topic you started for us. Any thoughts on what yeah, Dan I or think John Dan, had? Dan and John's comments that a supplier or external view is is really important. You don't want somebody to be, I, I like to say, first greedy then needy. You want to be practical mm-hmm. about uh, what's fair in this this partnership. Um, so very important to keep that mind that in mind when uh, initiating a, a working capital program. And Bonnie, Thank this you. is Dan. I just wanted yep. to say one other thing sure. on that. You know, I think that the, the it's changing from if you think about the automotive space years ago, where you know it was always beat down the suppliers and beat down the suppliers and, and drive costs out. And look what happened: a lot of co- a lot of suppliers went out of business. They couldn't survive under those, those environments. And I think corporates are taking a different view on that. And, and Alan and John's point being a lot more collaborative with their suppliers to you know to help them realize what an important asset they are to the overall organization. Thank you. All good points. I'm going to move on to something else from John Everett's notes. I mentioned all of these power of statements you had shared with me, John. And I'm looking at one I don't think we've mentioned yet. Let's look outside the company, outside the supply chain, outside the cash capital model, and let's look at customers. And this is, I believe, an important part of the conversation. You say the power of customer engagement. Forrester considers this the age of the customer, and I think we would all agree with that. And you talk about companies having needing to do business globally in real time on any device. So let's talk about the money flow from customer to company on any device anywhere in the world. Talk to me. How important is it to have your be able to have people send you a payment on an iPhone or a picture of that payment and checking your invoices on tablets, the whole mobility trend. What does this mean to our topic today, John? Sure. So, yeah, so thank you for that. Um, I, I think Dan's comment, Dan's opening comment, I think is, is spot on, right? So things are happening right now, and the way that uh, the consumers and that companies are behaving um, are, is changed forever, um, now, a lot of the transactions that you're doing, a lot of the searches that you're doing, uh, a lot of the communication that you're doing is all from a device. And the expectation now um, is that the enterprise, uh, the, per- the enterprise, the enterprise user, the customer that's within the organization should have the exact same experience as someone that is a consumer playing Angry Birds, watching Netflix. And unless you have a Netflix simple user experience, that's what they call it, right? This, this whole concept of, of user experience where you're engaging with the material or the company in a way that's very intuitive and very easy. But for that, it's very, very difficult and people will start turning away from your company. So unless you have a solution that provides for an excellent end user experience, 
provides for a great way to do the things that they want to do with your company. And whether that's, like you said, uh, taking a picture of a check, allowing for that to be deposited um, on your iPhone, or whether that's checking for whether or not a purchase order was then flipped into an invoice, or whether an invoice has been paid, I now can do that in real time on an airplane on my tablet. And so when you have this requirement that everything is simple, everything is intuitive, and I get to get information on demand wherever I am, that is a major change, and it can be a major strain unless you're focused on what the customer experience looks like. So it sounds like there needs to, this is a, a case of undoing another silo, isn't it, John, where you need to design these mobile experiences and think of the whole money flow as customer engagement wherever people are, wherever they need to exchange money with you. And this is more than just the payables department. This is We're talking about design. We're talking about development. We're talking about perhaps the CMO, talking to the CIO, talking to the CFO. What do you, is, am I right? This is a, a multi-C-suite decision that this is going to happen? That's exactly right. And, you know, and, and uh, Forrester talks about this all the time, this kind of age of the customer, right? They're talking about how a company can take a look and start with the companer, company, I'm sorry, the customer, and move back, as opposed to starting with, you know, the IT processes that are in place, or right. here are the systems that we have, or here's the device that we use. Um, it's a very different way of thinking, and as you say, it breaks down those silos. Thank you. Alan Cohn and Dan Giuliano, uh, whoever wants to go next, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, this power of customer engagement in the context of payments and payables, et cetera, et cetera. Dan, Alan? This is Alan. I'll just Mm -hmm. say I really like what John had to say about breaking down the silos. I mean, ultimately, getting back to the points about partnership, it's important. I think the other piece is that transparency of information, you know, whether it's tablet, phone, laptop, Ultimately, it boils down to being able to answer the question, when will I get paid? Getting the right person at that company or the right people to be able to consume that information with as much lead time as they need. And that gives them the most time to make a decision because a payment either will arrive or it won't arrive on a, based on when they need the money and giving them that, that longer window to figure out what they're going to do about it. So that, uh, that transparency of information with choice becomes very powerful, especially in a mobile environment. Thank you. Dan Giuliano, thoughts? Well, I think that uh, you know, when you think about companies, too, in, and I think John touched on this several times, I think, you know, Companies only continue to innovate, and uh, you can't – customer experiences, he was talking about, is so important. You, you, us as consumers are used to now having such ease of use from Apple Pay or different products where it's simple to, you know, get, go to a store, buy things, know where, where your, your money is and things like that. And now you want to translate that to your experience at work, right, because it's the same concept, right? Where, where is my money? When am I getting paid? Who do I owe to get paid? You know, that communication between all those platforms is, in the digital economy is really important so we could all we could collaborate, have information at our fingertips, and be able to, you know, make decisions. And that goes back to Alan's quote about time, right? The longer that takes mm-hmm. and, and the more inefficient it is, the harder it's going to be to make business decisions and, and, and continue to be innovative and capture customers and do the things I need to do. So I think all those things uh, tie in very nicely together. Thank you. Alan, I'm looking at something else in your notes I'd like to talk about. You say optimizing payables starts with governance and people, and then you add it takes a true champion and to drive cross-functional alignment 
What's the stock? What's the sticking point here? What are we trying to? Who, who gets to be this champion? And what vision do they need to have to make this happen? And then we'll bring the other panelists in on this as well. Go ahead, Alan. Yeah, it's generally somebody in finance, and you know whether you're a manufacturer, distributor, retailer. If you go around the hallways of, of your your office or store and say, "Gosh, we're, we're opening up another plant or another store." Everybody across the organization knows what that means. Um, and, you know, if you go around the organization and say, gosh, we want to do better at cash flow or working capital, you know, there, there's a few people who might poke their head out of the office. So it really takes somebody to start this bottoms up to really understand that, you know, this isn't silos. It, it takes a combination of finance, IT, accounts payable, treasury, operations to bring this all together, march towards a common goal, and really, really understand how important it is to have a good working capital position and provide options to your supplier community and really understanding what that means in the financial markets. Wall Street has metrics. So getting that right person to really take a holistic view, invoice, timing of payment, the actual payment, and all the information and processes that go with it is vastly important to uh, the organization's success or a supplier's success for that matter uh, from from a cash flow inbound perspective. Thank you, Alan. Let's hear from our other panelists. Uh, John, any comments? Dan, any comments? Yeah, sure. So, so I think uh, one of the key elements there is uh, if you have the right champion, if you have the right leader um, that's going to get the right group together in order to make these kinds of decisions, whether that's, you know, we're going to, to, to leverage a new technology or we're going to look at, look at uh, uh, working capital management in a different way or supply chain financing, um, you need to understand what the business out comes are and what the objectives are. And so a really effective champion lots of times will understand the as as Alan talks about the kind of the big picture, the global view and then create metrics by which you say, oh, look, here is what we're trying to go for. Here's the thing that we're trying to accomplish, and here are the metrics by which we're going to measure our own success. And lots of times what, what I find is if you have a strong champion that can do that, lots of times those initiatives are going to be much, much more successful. Thank you. Anybody else? I hear somebody who wants to well, say I was something. Well, I was just going to jump in there, too, and this is Dan mm-hmm. to say that, um, yeah. you know, sometimes a, a business uh, an owner of a, that process, one of the things they need to do is translate that, that complex terms of something that's digestible for the consumer. The, you know, people are going to work on this. So to Alan's point, a lot of people don't understand when you say, I'm going to increase your, you know, cash flow, reduce working capital. What does that even mean? But if I translate the terms, if I said, if I could increase our sales by 50% or 30% or 20%, it equates to this amount of million in sales or billions in sales. A lot of times they say, okay, that's fantastic. How do I achieve those goals? And it's, then it's through these efficiencies and this collaboration and these breaking down these silos to, to, to create the efficiencies to be able to, to create the cash flow that equates to these type of things. So sometimes it's just terminology and things to get people more comfortable what we're doing. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all around, um, you know, creating efficiencies to generate uh, more cash flow to run your business more effectively. Thank you. Alan, I didn't give you a chance, and I promised I would, to tell us just a little bit about what Ariba is doing these days. You want to just bring us up to date? Yeah, Ariba is a business network helping buyers and suppliers exchange electronic transactions such as purchase orders, invoice, and, and payments. From a payables working capital perspective, ultimately Ariba is helping suppliers choose when they want to get paid and helping to provide transparency to the process and cash flow forecasting. Thank you very much. Good to know. Now, 
Uh, we, we have 10 minutes before the end of the show, and I'm going to save about a minute and a half to two minutes apiece for your predictions, but we're not quite ready. So we have about two or three minutes to kick in one more topic. I'm going to just open the floor and ask all three of you, whoever speaks first, Dan Giuliano, John Everts, Alan Cohn, anybody have anything on your mind from your notes that we didn't cover that you feel is very important for our audience to hear on this topic of payables, payments, and cash flow in the digital economy. Dan, John, Alan, anybody? This is Dan. I was going to say the the one thing is that, you know, we talked about before that companies no longer need, you know, are not as, they need banks. I mean, banks just don't go away. But I I think if if banks do not continue to innovate and things of that nature, I think that, uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna be outflanked by the Ubers of the world who create more efficiencies and better user experiences, and and give people back that time they need to run their business more effectively. And I think the digital economy allows uh, those companies to exist and thrive and go after the establishment that maybe not be innovating and not doing the things they need to do to make that experience that uh, companies expect and and want. Um, they need to do that. And I think that uh, we're going to make everyone more efficient and more competitive and drive better solutions for everyone involved. Thank you. I heard somebody else in the background who wanted to say something. We're opening the floor again. This is Alan. I was just going to say getting started is half the battle. So ultimately, you know, Dan and John talked about finding that that champion, and I think it's really important to start to, to look at it and simply start to socialize those things you know, one, one client shared change is inevitable, suffering is optional. There are a lot of options out there to, to help you optimize your, your working capital, and, and choices are a good thing, and they become powerful to help innovate and companies succeed. Thank you. And I, I would just add one more one more item, if I, yeah. if I could. Um, sure. What's, what's interesting, what's, what's kind of happened is um, you know, banks, uh, banks are getting disrupted by companies. Um, you know, the S&P 500 has a higher total cash and equivalent as a percentage of total assets than they have in forever. Um, they have a lot more cash on hand. And so one of the reasons why this will continue, um, and we're going to see banks continue to be disrupted, as Dan talks about, is because companies have essentially become their own banks um, and providing different sources of capital for different types of internally sourced projects. And so because of that, now they're looking at new ways to deploy that capital. And so, I, again, I just think it's, it's very, very interesting, and, and I, I completely agree that, that just because business is changing and how banks are, are thought of and, and there are alternatives out there, um, you know, there's a lot of changes going on. Thank you. I have one topic I found. I don't think we touched on the power of the Fed. John, since this was in your notes, you want to just give us a quick overview of the power of the Fed and talk a little bit about activist shareholders like Mr. Icon? Talk to me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, so again, uh, from my perspective, um, the Fed is one of the drivers uh, for this massive amount of liquidity that's going on. Um, and so whether that's um, uh, access to capital that hasn't been there before um, or um, simply the individual looking to say, how, how can I get return for my liquid assets, right? How can I make money when my deposit account isn't giving me anything? When, when I go to the bank and I put money in the bank, it doesn't do anything. It just stays there. And I think as people are looking um, to the Fed, um, the Fed is only going to increase the interest rate only so ever so slowly. Um, and that's because of the, you know, the global economy. And so if that's the case, 
we're going to see even more opportunity for things like creative solutions around cash flow management. Um, and so I do feel like with this current environment, a very unique, very very unique current environment, these kinds of creative solutions um, are only going to fuel um, these, these, this creativity. Thank you very much. Apologize for the cough. I am ready to move into the predictions round. We call it the crystal ball. <coughs> Sorry, Dan Giuliano, I'm all choked up here. I'm going to turn it over to you. I can give you, let's see, about 90 seconds for predictions. Can you fast forward this conversation to the year 2020 or any time in the future that makes sense to you? Dan Giuliano, Prime Revenue, what do you see in the future? 90 seconds, predictions, go. I think it's just what John was saying. I think that uh, one thing I can guarantee over the next several years is that uh, interest rates will rise, and companies need to be arming themselves with the tools and solutions to mitigate the risk of that rising interest rates. And, uh, and companies also have to be thinking about the tools and solutions they're providing their supply chain because at the end of the day, their suppliers are providing them goods and services, and if they're not arming them with solutions to, to uh, fight off those challenges of rising interest rates, the, the, cha- the challenge is going to be there is in, ri- in rising costs and supplier failures and things of those nature. So I agree with John, rising interest rates are going to happen, and uh, companies got to be mitigating those, have mitigation strategies against those rising interest rates, and there are solutions out there to help. Thank you. What do you think Tom Goodwin's going to have to say about all this, Dan? You think he's going to be having any any uh, very powerful words to say about the future of payables and payments and cash flow in the digital economy, or is this out of his bailiwick? No, I think he's going to be all over this. I think he looks at this as I think this is the next disruptive space. I think uh, there's when you see inefficiencies and uh, other players can come in and provide efficiencies and better solutions and accretive solutions. I think he's going to, he's going to see this as well and. Um, he's focused more on the consumer market, but this is the business market, and I think I could see him getting into the space too and seeing how these solutions are, you know, transcend different uh, markets like B2B versus just B2C or C2C. Thank you very much, John Everts. I'm ready for you with your perspective on the future. Do you like 2020, or what else do you, what can you see in that beautiful crystal ball I know you polished off with your MediaFly dust cloth? What do you see how far in the future? <laughs> right, right. Um, well, so, so behaviors will continue to change, um, and I think there, there will only be more uh, Airbnbs um, uh, and Ubers. And I think because uh, there's, a, there's a different expectation that's out there, um, things that provide a tremendous amount of value, people will double down on. And so the concept of business networks and the concept of, of these kind of buyer-supplier marketplaces, I think, is only going to grow. And I think over time, you're going to see a much more increased transaction level and those behaviors of instead of cash registers, clicks, um, in order to make a transaction, I think you're going to see a dramatic, a continued uh, evolution and that more and more people are going to be transacting business this way and, and it, won't, it won't go back. Okay, thank you very much. And let's move ahead to Alan Cohn. Alan, how far in the future can you see? You know what? They were so concise, I can give you almost two minutes. So go for it, Alan Cohn. Yeah, I was just going to say, as the book Moneyball revolutionized mm-hmm. sports analytics, I think transactional data will revolutionize payables and banking. And what I mean by that, if you think about it, I think traditionally companies are making decisions about cost of credit and cost of capital based on um, ag- at a very high level. 
And I think there's all this great information in the digital economy that can be used to help assess the cost of credit from purchase orders to advance ship notices and all this rich information. Gosh, the ship stuck in the Panama Canal. And all of that information, I think a bank will use to assess credit. And I think ultimately it will help to lower the cost of borrowing um, for all involved, and all involved, buyers, suppliers, and help banks to uh, better manage risk. So I think we're still, to use that money ball sports analogy, we're still early on in that, the early innings of what can be done in terms of a, uh, from a payables working capital perspective and how to best use that information to make good decisions for buyers, suppliers, and banking partners. Because at the end of the day, it is a partnership. At the end of the day, it is a partnership. I have a question I'm going to ask the three of you since we have veered into the realm of finance in this discussion. Do you think that everything that's going on with this new access to cash flow and, and the excitement, it sounds like there's a lot of excitement out there in terms of business being able to, small businesses being able to float and move and flow and disrupt. Do you think this will attract more millennials into starting new businesses because they see a very bright future in terms of cash flow and finances. That's a yes or no answer quickly. Dan Giuliano? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. John Everts? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. We're seeing it now. Oh, yes, we already are. And Alan Cohen? Totally agree. Absolutely. And John, you need to tell your eight-year-old who asks you every morning what kind of Nespresso latte you want that he can start a business any minute now because he has the right attitude about customer service. So you tell him, I said, go for it. All right. What's his name? You want to do a shout-out? Uh, yeah, Mikey. Thanks. <laughs> okay, Mikey. That's right. You said it before. Hello, Mikey. Mikey likes it. If you're old enough, you remember that commercial. I think it was Life's, <laughs> Life Cereal. Oh, if I just dated myself. I want to thank my three panelists. We've just been speaking with Dan Giuliano at Prime Revenue, John Everett's at Mediafly, Alan Cohen at SAP Ariba. Shout out to Jeannie Trin at SAP Ariba, who sponsors this series. We appreciate it, Jeannie, for bringing us such interesting speakers. And thank you also to Brad and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll be back tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. Two shows today, one yesterday, one tomorrow, one Thursday. This is a busy week. Tomorrow, it's Employee Engagement Part 3, Changing Corporate Culture, The Power of One. You could be that one on Coffee Break at 11 a.m. Eastern. I'll be back for right now. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Business Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.